Uh, If you've got your Bibles with you, uh, find Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be there in a moment's time. Uh, But this morning we are starting a new little uh, series called Courage, uh, Fueled by Truth. And so we're going to look at, over the next three weeks, the idea of what it is to have courage, to proclaim the truth, to tell the truth, and to follow the truth. Um, I think it's going to be exciting, I think it's going to be challenging, and um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. So, I don't have any announcements, I don't have any tidbits, I don't have any funny things to say, so I apologise. We're going to get straight into God's Word. Uh, Matthew 10, verse 24 233. I haven't had enough coffee, obviously. That's what happens. Boring old bread. Matthew 10, verse 24 to 33. says this, The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for, the, for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebub, how much more the members of his household? So not, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that not that will not be disclosed, or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not be afraid of those who kill me, of kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them will fall to the ground, not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And the very hairs of your head are all numbered. For some, that's easier than others. So don't be afraid. Just making sure you're listening. You're worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Lord Jesus, would you help us to hear your voice this morning, understand your word? Would you instill courage in us to proclaim the truth like you've called us to? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sorry, I was just rearranging the stage up here. Anyone got a, um, an irrational fear of something? Spiders. Anyone? Hands up if you're afraid of spiders. That's an irrational fear. Hands up if you're afraid of snakes. Semi, that's not so irrational. That's, I can, anyone afraid of heights? You're with me. It's like, Yeah. Nah, no thanks. Any other irrational fears? My wife is afraid of mice. That's an irrational fear. I mean, like, I'm, I'm terrible with heights. I think I've, I've shared this fear of mine before. I'm, I'm confession time. I'm just, uh, I just don't trust um, engineers or especially buildings. Like, I can, I'm okay in a plane because, I mean, you don't have a real idea of how far up you are. It's just like, I'm so far up that if I fall... I'm not going to, it's not going to hurt, I'm just going to die. Um, and so I'm okay with that, but, you know, on top of a building or a bridge, it's like, that's when I have like, because you've seen bridges collapse, like it happens, or buildings fall down, I mean, who's, who's, I mean, there's a, isn't there a building in Sydney that's like got cracks and falling to pieces, and I mean, people live in places like this, it's like, if you've got a double story house, sorry, it's like... I'll come, I'll come and visit your garage or something, but <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not that bad. Uh, but I know my wife with, with mice, you know, I remember one day finding her on the kitchen table, <laughs> just, there's a, mouse, there's a mouse in the house, and we had to find it, and she would not, uh, it was quite 
scary, quite a real fear. <laughs> or in the, in the office, you know, Pastor Jackie's always uh, somehow finds the spiders. She's just got, a, she's got an eye for it. She can see them from a mile away and so she won't enter the, the room if there was a spider up in here. Some, if I f- oh, I'm trying to find one because it would be funny. <laughs> she would not be able to concentrate. I mean, probably half of you might be able to concentrate if I found a spider. Should have brought one in. Uh, but it doesn't it like it with these irrational fears it doesn't matter what you what you're what you're told about them how uh if it's, what's the worst a spider can do it can crawl up and tickle your tickle your arm hairs or something and it's it, it, or heights you know what's the worst that could happen you could die i mean for me that's a more rational fear than than spiders or, or ants or something um but even when you know something about it, it doesn't necessarily give you the courage to overcome that fear does it it's like it doesn't matter you could tell me anything about spiders you could tell me that they're they're made of fairy dust and and rainbows and it wouldn't matter i'd still be scared of them um or and so you you don't really have courage to have those to overcome those fears there are other times though where you know something about something and it and it does give you courage so recently over the last month uh, Alana and I have not had internet at our home uh, because apparently they switched something on the NBN and I mean we've had that many people come out to our house and text and you know has anyone ever had a problem like this where just I mean it is it's a lot of fun isn't it Russ it's just like it's a hoot every day uh, just the phone calls you have and the, the conversations you have and, and it's got to a point now where I know what's happening so well that I'm just, I'm so courageous with what I tell the, the texts when they come to the house and when I'm talking on the phone, it, and it's not rude, I'm not, I'm not a rude person on the phone, uh, I'm very, very reasonable, but I, I have a courage to say that's not the problem. When they say, when they come in with all their gadgets and uh, whiz-bang words, I'm like, that's not the problem. I, I am so courageous in telling you, who apparently knows better, that that's not the problem, and then they go, well, let me just check anyway, and they go and check, and lo and behold, that's not the problem. Uh, and so that's when, when truth becomes something that gives you courage, I think is what we want to talk about this morning. Is, it's not so much overcoming an irrational fear, but something that when we're filled with the truth of God's Word, when we're filled with truth of what God says about us and how He calls us to courage, when we really take that truth on board, it fuels our courage in a way nothing else does. Courage doesn't come from a place of just going, oh, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to do it, I'm just going to jump out of the plane, or I'm just going to hang on to the spider, or I'm just going to climb up the, the stairs. You know, courage doesn't come from just willing yourself to do it, but it comes uh, more so as we understand truth and embrace truth, we can then have courage like we're called to. Um, so the courage... Uh, we find is when we're armed with truth. And so this morning we want to talk about speaking out the truth or proclaiming the truth, standing up for what is true with courage in the face of adversary, in the face of something that is against us. And so as we talk about courage and proclaiming truth this morning, pro- proclaiming the truth of God's Word, I want to put this little caveat on it, that courage doesn't equal bullying. Proclaiming truth is not a, a license to bully someone or to, to have a go at someone. Courage in, instead is coupled with grace. It's coupled with love. Courage is to speak the truth 
in love. Ephesians 4, 15, it says, Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. And so we know that as we go out to speak the truth and proclaim the truth, that it is to, to come with love. It's not to come with anger. It's not to come with a sense of, I'm right, you're wrong. But it's to come with this place of love. So courage comes with grace. It comes with wisdom. It comes with care. It comes with love. And courage is the opposite of fear. Or it, in, it embraces fear. It sees fear and it says, I'm not a, I'm, I've, I've got a greater fear. It looks at fear and says, I have something I'm more afraid of. And so the big idea around this morning's message is, Courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. Courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. And so we're going to learn that uh, the truth of, of what uh, Jesus teaches his disciples here in Matthew 10. And like I've said, we're going to uh, talk about this idea of truth and courage over the next couple of weeks. So this morning, proclaim the truth. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about telling the truth, living a life of honesty and integrity, uh, and then week three, we're going to talk about following the truth, following the ways of Jesus. So let's uh, have a little look at Matthew 10, a little deeper look. And so Matthew 10 uh, is a passage where Jesus sort of sends out his 12 disciples to go and proclaim the truth, to go and preach the good news. The kingdom of heaven is near, is the message that they're called to go and preach. And so he says to his disciples, Come here, guys, I want you to go out uh, and tell the truth and proclaim the truth. But he gives them a few little uh, pointers on how and, and the way in which this is to happen. First, he says, I want you to go to a place, and if the place will welcome you, if there's the peace rests in that place, I want you to stay and tell them the truth. If not, uh, shake the dust off your feet and walk on. And I reckon right there, there's a, a beautiful picture of what it is to proclaim the truth in love. That if someone's not willing to hear it, move on. Don't go beating down someone's door just because you've got, a, you've got truth to tell them and they're like, I don't want to listen to it. So like, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not called to go and bust down your door and tell you the truth. I'm told to, I've told you kindly, with love, you didn't receive it, so I'm moving on. So a person of peace, don't shout at people who don't want to listen. Proclaim the truth to those who will hear and I reckon Christians as a whole, churches as a whole, would do well to, to think about this passage and this idea before we post stuff on social media, online. You know, it's this idea that I've got a megaphone and um, anyway. Just a nice lens to, to go through. Go to anyone who will listen and pr proclaim the truth. And then he goes, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. And to me, this, this speaks of as you proclaim the truth, do it with an attitude of serving. Do it with an attitude of, I'm here to help. I'm not here just to come in and with this big idea and just bang it over your head and go, you should believe this, what I'm telling you. But I'm coming and I want to heal the sick. I want to I bring healing. I want to cleanse the lepers. I want to raise the dead. I want to help. I want to serve. I wanna, I'm coming with humility. And so this posture that Jesus sends the disciples out to proclaim the truth is so vital to the way in which the message is received. If someone comes to you in love to serve you, in humility, because they care about you, and then they've got a message to tell you, you're so much more willing to take on board the message they have, as opposed to someone who just comes and shouts something in your face, um, metaphorically, of course, you know, tells you something that 
you're just like, I didn't need, I, I didn't even realize I needed to hear that or wanted to hear that or that you felt you could tell me that. Uh, it just doesn't cr- come across very well. But when someone's in your life and they, um, there's that peace, there's a harmony, there's, there's servant, uh, servant-hearted um, sort of attitude behind what they say, you're much more willing to hear what they say. So proclaim the truth with love as you go and tell people the truth, as you proclaim the truth. Do it as you serve them, not as you lord it over them. And don't do it for personal gain, is what Jesus tells his disciples. Expect to be hated and rejected. You're not going out to uh, proclaim a popular message or uh, to, to say something that's going to itch the ears of those that are, that are listening. Some people are just going to flat out reject this. And they're going to reject you as a result. And so this is not a thing to go out and do to, to win people over and to get popular and to get liked. You're going to get rejected and hated. Proclaim the truth in love. Have courage. And so, uh, so this is the, what Jesus sort of sets this up. And then he goes into this little section of, um, of, of reasons why we don't have to fear. Do not fear. And he sort of gives them four, I mean, there's many other things that we could uh, pull out of this passage, but I want to I highlight four truths that Jesus gives his disciples on why they shouldn't fear, and instead, they can have courage. So let's have a look at this little passage a little bit more in depth. So four truths. In verse 25, let's read uh, 25 again. It says, um, it is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, Beelzebul, that's a funny name. How much more the members of his household? And so Beelzebul, because um, I know that's probably the word you're thinking, what is that about? Uh, if you read on, I think it's in Matthew 12, a couple of chapters later, verses 24, 25, 27, you can flick across there and you can sort of see that the Pharisees are calling Jesus Beelzebul, prince of demons, like basically Satan. They're saying he's a, he's a demon. And so what Jesus is saying here to his disciples is if you go out and proclaim the truth, People are going to say, you're like me. You're like Jesus. And so this uh, helps us have courage. How does it help us have courage? Because as we go out and proclaim the truth, we know that we will be in company with Jesus. We know that we will be a part of his household, that we'll be uh, sort of recognized with Jesus, that we are one of his, that we are a servant. He is the master, that we are part of the same household. This is the truth. As you proclaim this message, you will be associated with Jesus. It's evidence that you're owned by God, part of his household. You're in good company with Jesus. You are like Jesus if you proclaim the truth with courage. So he says that in verse 25, it's uh, that sort of thing. And then, and then he says, so do not fear them. So we know that uh, verse 25 is the arguments of why we shouldn't fear. So do not fear them. And so We have company with Jesus. That's the first truth. The second truth is this in verse 26. So do not be afraid of them. For, there's another reason why we shouldn't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. So truth will triumph. Truth will triumph. Ultimately, truth will triumph. As we go and proclaim the truth, we know that at the end of the day, everyone's going to come to understand the truth. Everyone's going to see the truth for what it is. And so whether people accept it as truth or not, in this uh, day and this time, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, truth will triumph. Uh, People will see truth and come to understand it as truth. 
People might uh, try to ignore it. They might see what you're saying and, and the way you're saying it as, eh, not for me, it's good for you, it's not for me. They might say it's rubbish, they might ridicule, they might doubt it, but it won't make it any less true. Truth is truth. And this truth fuels our courage because people, what people might say or do will be vindicated at the end of the day. They can say what they like, but they will know um, at the end that what we have said is truth and the message of Jesus is the truth. So we can have courage to proclaim the truth in love. Reason three that Jesus gives um, the disciples of why they shouldn't fear. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and cannot kill the soul, verse 28. This is a good truth to fuel courage. That what's the worst that can happen? And I sort of think that this is like, you know, how you can get over your fear of spiders as well. It's like, what's the worst that can happen? With a spider, Jackie, I mean, like, crawl up your leg, crawl up your arm, tickle your face. I mean, they're just like little soft, furry things. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? But with people, as we proclaim the truth, what's the worst that can happen? The worst, the absolute worst that can happen is they could kill you. But I mean, in Australia, we, I mean, that is not a fear that we have. We are not seeing Christians being killed for proclaiming the truth. We're seeing them disliked, we're seeing them sort of laughed at or mocked or shouted down. But I mean, if, if that's the worst that can happen, don't be afraid of that. Because Jesus says, he goes on, what you really need to be afraid of is someone who can kill the body and the soul in hell. And we know, of course, that is God. Only God is the one who we should really fear. Don't fear man fear God. Courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. Don't let your fear of man be greater than your fear of God. Understand who God is. And that's why God goes, or Jesus goes on to say in verse 32 and verse 33, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Proclaim the truth because there is someone to be fearful of, in fearful, in, in awe, in reverence. Understand that they are the ones that are the, the only judge, and that is God. People around you, your friends, your family are not your judge. They cannot determine where you spend eternity. They cannot determine how your life will go. But God can. And so we are right to fear Him over fearing man. This truth fuels our courage. I'll be courageous to speak the truth because I know who is worth being really fearful of. I know who, who I'd rather be fearful of. I'm not saying fearful as in I'm afraid God's going to um, smite me, but I'm just like, I'm not afraid of you compared to the fear I have of what God can do to me. Ultimately, God decides where I spend eternity and how my life goes. And so I'm going to care much more about what he thinks than what you think. And the more I understand that truth, the more courageous I'll be to proclaim truth. Jesus goes on. So our soul is safe is verse, uh, the, the third reason. The fourth reason is that we're treasured more than sparrows. Verse 29 to 31, it says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. 
So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So God cares for sparrows. It's not that God doesn't care for sparrows. He knows what they're doing right now. He knows where every sparrow in the whole earth is right now and what it's doing, whether it's chirping, flying, eating, sleeping. He feeds them. He makes sure his, his, his providence is for the birds. And so he feeds them. He cares for them. But what Jesus is saying, compared to you and me, they are worthless in God's sight. They're sold for two pennies. They are worthless in comparison to you and your life. God cares for the sparrows, but he knows the number of hairs on your head. He is so attentive to every second of your life, every detail of your life. He knows what you're thinking about right now. He knows what your fear was this morning. He knows what you'll be thinking about doing this week. He cares about every single detail and he still loves you. I mean, that's a scary thing to think about that God knows what we're thinking about and God knows what we're going to do but he still chooses to love us. What a profound thought that is. And God loves us and God cares about us. He knows us. And so we don't have to fear because God cares deeply for us. I came across this quote by a guy named Henry Martin who was a missionary in the 17 and 1800s. He says, if God has work for me to do, I cannot die. If God has work for me to do, I cannot die. Basically saying, if God wants me to go and be like this, then I'm sure to, to do it. I'm sure to be uh, successful in what God has called me to. Because God cares for the birds. He cares for things that are so worthless in comparison to my life. He's so sovereign over all his creation. So I can be safe in his arms. I can be treasured more than sparrows. God cares, so you can have courage. God has called me to, to be and to do something that may, maybe scares me on the service a little bit, but because he has called me to and because he loves me, more than you love yourself, I can be courageous in the face of that fear. And so Jesus calls his disciples to proclaim the truth with courage for these four reasons and, and many other reasons. And so this is the encouragement, that as we're fueled by these truths to go and proclaim the truth, go and make noise about Jesus. Shout it from the rooftops, Jesus says. Speak it in the daylight. It takes courage to speak the truth, but this is what we're called to. So Jesus sends out the 12 to, to talk about the kingdom to the lost, to love them, to heal them, um, to bring justice, mercy, grace, to proclaim the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is near. Good news about Jesus. This is the truth that we are told to proclaim. Because so far I've just talked about proclaim the truth and you might be thinking, oh, yeah, but what truth, Brad? What, where, do we, where do we work out where the truth is? And I hope this is where you're thinking. Because for some of us, we've heard uh, proclaim the truth. All right, I'm going to go out and tell people that Jesus loves them and that Jesus died for them and that they can have a relationship with God. Awesome. For some of you, you've heard, oh, great. I can go proclaim the truth uh, to my friends about climate change and abortion and same-sex marriage and, um, and euthanasia and, and these things. And I would say, maybe you've missed what Jesus has told his disciples to go and proclaim the truth. He didn't tell them to go and proclaim that truth, whatever that truth might be. 
I'm not saying those things don't make any noise about, but I'm saying that's not the point of what Jesus sends his disciples to. Some of us are very vocal about these secondary issues. I would say maybe even some Christians are more vocal about secondary issues than they are about the primary issue. So I mean, by all means, be courageous and stand up for truth as you see it. Speak about things that you have conviction about, but not at the expense of the gospel. Not louder than or more than the gospel, the good news of Jesus. You know, as I was preparing this message, I was reminded of uh, a series we did last year called Stand, and we looked at Daniel. Do you remember this series for those that were around about 12 months ago? And how Daniel stood out um, from the Babylonians in the culture. And I'll read you three verses in Daniel 1. Daniel 1, verses 6 to 8. It says, Among those who were chosen, some were from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission to not defile himself this way. And so the context of this story is that Daniel and and these other three guys, the teenage boys, brought in um, to Babylon. They're not Babylonians. And they're trying their best not to get swept up in the current of the Babylonian culture. And here is a big test of character for them. Two things in this little passage happen against them. Two things. One is that uh, the Babylonian king forces a name change on them. And then the Babylonian king tries to force a new diet on them as well. But they, they choose what to make a stand against. They choose what truth they will make a stand against. They don't seem to mind about the name change, even though the name change is probably not the greatest thing that could happen to them. They sort of don't make any noise about that. They don't protest that. But what they do protest is the food. It's like, we're not going to eat this. I'm okay with this, but I'm not okay with this. How do they decide what to stand, stand up for? How do they choose what truth to really take a hold of? And I think it comes down to the glory or the name in which they choose to stand for. They don't stand up for their name, but they do stand up for God's name. Their name is an outward thing, an insignificant thing in the scheme of God's name to stand up for. But God, who is the judge, is worth standing up for. And and this is huge, I think, in determining what to stand out or what to proclaim uh, truth about. Is it against God's name or is it just my preference? What truth do we stand for? What truth do we proclaim? My encouragement is that we proclaim the truth of Jesus and the gospel, the truth of his love and his grace, the truth of his desire for every person to be saved. Of course, we can make noise about other things, but they should be dim, they should be quiet compared to the noise we make about Jesus and the gospel. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be remembered for sharing the gospel in love than remembered for making noise about something else. I'd rather people walk away from conversation with me saying, man, he's passionate about Jesus and the gospel and grace and that I can have a relationship with Jesus, rather than walking away saying, oh, geez, he's really passionate about X issue, this political thing. 
I mean, by all means, have those things. But secondary to the message of Jesus. I think the world um, that we live in, the current culture and the current climate that we find ourselves in is desperate for some truth. Desperate for some truth. We're sort of, um, I think, in this place in time where we are told that we are so autonomous and so free as people, as individuals, to choose to be and to, to think whatever we want. That your truth can be something that it might be different to my truth. Uh, we're so, we've got so much access to so much information that we don't trust any sort of expert that whatever is told us by politicians, celebrities, people in media, we go, we question everything. We go, oh, is that real or is that fake? Is that true or is that false? Is that twisted? Is, what motivation do they have? What do they get out of it? And so because of this, we don't believe anything except what we sort of read ourselves and, 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 and want to believe ourselves. And so there's no real truth. There's no real anchor that we can find ourselves in. We're sold this lie that truth is relative, it's not concrete, what is true for you is not true for me and I think this just causes stress, it causes anxiety and the enemy loves this. Listen to what it says in Colossians 2 verse 8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And so the hollow and deceptive philosophy is this, that find your true self, find what's true for you, what makes you happy, and do that, be that. And the problem with this is that what we're sold is uh, find your true self, do what, whatever makes you happy, is that it just turns to whatever you find pleasure in. And we know that whatever we find pleasure in is just like a, it's a never-ending cycle, we'll never have enough of it. We'll never have enough of it. Happiness or joy or contentment, which is what we really need, will never actually come. So we go from pleasure to pleasure, filling our life with more and more pleasure, and it's hollow. It's a hollow philosophy, and it's exactly what the enemy would love for us to to buy into. It's deceptive. It takes people captive. It's a spiritual battle orchestrated by the father of lies, by the enemy himself, who can speak nothing but lies. And so our world, our time, our culture, our friends desperately need truth. They need something they can anchor their life in. It's like, I'm not sure about everything else, but this one thing I know, that I'm created by God, that I am loved by Him, and that I can have relationship with Him. Everything else I'm not really sure about, but this truth I know enough. If I can anchor my life in that, my life will make sense. Everything else I can sort of work out, but I need a truth to anchor my life in. So speak truth, proclaim truth, because people need it. Proclaim truth in your own world, in your own life, in your own heart, because you need it. Speak the truth with love and grace, serving with humility. Fear God more than you fear others. Courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. And so my encouragement as we begin this series is to live lives of courage to understand what truth is, what the truth of God's word, of his gospel is, and have the courage to proclaim it. Have the courage to uh, cement your life in it, to anchor your life in it. 
It will give you courage like nothing else will. Speak out the truth in love with courage. Don't fear man more than you fear God. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much that we can anchor our life in you. That God, when we're told so many different things from so many different people in so many different ways, God, that we know this one thing, that you love us, that you created us, that you want relationship with us and that we can anchor our life in you. And God, we pray that as we do that in our own life, that we'll have the courage to proclaim that truth to people around us. God, help us not to, to fear man more than we fear you. Help us to understand that you love us, that you care so deeply for us. And God, I pray that as we continue to talk about this idea of courage, that it wouldn't just be an idea, but it would be the way in which we live our life. It would fuel our our obedience. It would fuel our going out and acting, doing what what we know is true putting our faith in action. So God, we just pray that you would fuel us with your courage, help us to to see what you see and to, to be who you've called us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's stand and, and sing as we close.